Kia ora and welcome to the Stronger Dads Collective podcast, where we aim to help dads be stronger versions of themselves as fathers, people, and in their athletic pursuits. I'm your host, Hayden Pritchard, and you can find me at hjp underscore stronger dads on Instagram, and you can learn more about me and my coaching services at hjpmethod.co.nz. Before you finish listening today, be sure to rate and subscribe on the platform you're listening to. Right, let's get into today's episode. Kia ora and welcome to episode 45 of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. Today I'm joined by my second two-time guest, um, Zach Powell. So um, we have chatted before, and if you're interested in learning a bit about Zach and his story, um, you can head back to episode number eight for that. Today we're going to spend a bit of time um, kind of catching up because Zach has been up to a whole lot of stuff. Um, I've kind of been following him as I as I had before we actually first chatted. It was all I only knew Zach through Instagram, and I still only really know <laughs> Zach through Instagram and one of our earlier podcasts. Um, but he's been up to a lot of stuff, and I think when we last spoke on the podcast, you had, I believe, your main training was towards Leadville at that stage, if I'm correct. Um, and you've been there, you've done that, but you've kind of jumped at a bunch of other stuff. Um, in between that but before we get into that man how are you going how how's life been and you know how are the kids how's the family how's things going things are good um you know uh as you now know what it's like to have two kids it's just <laughs> infinitely crazier from one so uh spending more time with family uh since our last talk i'm way busier at work so i work mm. in a corporate gym personal trainer i'm doing a lot um, I actually did not finish Leadville since our last talk. I uh, DNF'd because I missed a time cutoff. I attempted another 100 miler since then, um, which that also happened due to mud. Um, did not finish, got a little bit further in that one. And uh, now I'm training for Leadville again. My wife and I just signed up again a couple of days ago, and as well as a half Ironman swim. I'm doing the swim portion of a half Ironman relay in April. So now taking on a whole other slew of goals. Um, but other than that, I feel like it's been pretty consistent. We're just now getting into winter here in uh, the Northern Hemisphere. So, you know, things are changing, but yeah, not much has changed since our last talk. Going to go back <laughs> and try to get that belt buckle for Leadville. I was, I was just going to say, though, go back to the start. You said you're a whole lot busier um, in your work than when we last sort of chatted should we take all the credit for that from the podcast? Like, I mean, this is a pretty exactly. big podcast. You're basically on Joe Rogan. Like, I mean, it's not yep. surprising. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I can attribute all of my success to you. You can take it. Probably not even a single a single person <laughs> from that, Zach. But, I mean, it's good to hear that you are busy because obviously that means that, you know, you're probably doing well or doing, you know, good business-wise. So, I mean, it's always nice to hear that people are busy and doing well. Um, has that kind of impacted training home life at all or are you kind of still at work you know or the workplace so to speak the same amount of time like how does that kind of affect things for you when you are busier in terms of like number of people you're seeing yeah it's a great question so i train so i, I also teach like some strength and conditioning classes as well so total of like one hour sessions i'm mm -hmm. doing like 30 to 35 sessions a week depending on the Jeez. week so, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a heavy load. Um, you know, and, uh, so 
it's time away from my family, but I view it just like any other corporate job. And mm. honestly, with that, uh, it's honestly made me really uh, connect with my client base even more because I yeah. work in a pretty affluent area. So these are like VPs, executives mm. of, of companies, and it is, it's a new stress um, because yeah. I am in person a lot, um, but it's also made me a really much much better coach because i see what those people go through um so i'm 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 30 so i've been around this fitness thing since i was five but when i first started out you know i don't know why i had it in my head like if i could just master fitness and i had a whole lot of time even when i was in college like i just didn't empathize with my working clientele as much as i can now Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, I'm very busy, but that helps me with my clients and it literally puts me in that perspective. And I'm also traveling to their events much more. So these ultra marathons, I'm going and pacing them, or I have weightlifting and powerlifting clients. I'll go to their meets and coach them. Mm -hmm. Um, so basically that's my travel on the weekends for work. Um, so that's one perspective I've taken it. It helps me see what they're doing. Uh, when I was aspiring to be only an online coach, I would make much, much more, uh, rash judgments on my clients versus now that I'm in person and I'm doing a lot more. Yeah. I can see really what those people are going through, the stress of it and try to work with them. So like today, you know, I'm taking this call, I might be able to fit in like a two hour workout, but like yesterday, um, I had clients from six all the way to 11. And then I had my weightlifting session, my one hour run, and then I had meetings and clients till 6pm. So literally like same way somebody else would fit that into their schedule. And then tomorrow I'll be here from 5am till 7pm. So it's, it's really, um, it's a lot. So mm-hmm. I'll get to like how I fit my family stuff in there. But for me, it's like, with my workouts, I have to get to the stuff that really matters. Uh, I don't <laughs> yeah. spend a lot of time warming up. I don't do a lot and I'm still Olympic weightlifting. So fortunately I have the skill, so it doesn't take mm. me as long to get proficient now. And my job is active. So by the time I get to my lifting, it's fast. Um, and then my runs, you know, speed work. And now I'm taking on a swim that's 30 minutes, three times a week. Like I have to just fit it around. So some days it is a five, you know, a five a.m. session, or I fit it in between meetings or clients, and I break up one session into thirty-minute workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then family life. As soon as I get home at night, it's just family life. So I don't, yeah. like I don't push my workouts into uh, my family time. That's one thing that I've done a better job of. Um, and I the days that I have less clients, I'll do longer workouts, but like I have like this hard stop time. So when I go home, it's not like I'm trying to fit in, um, like a workout when the kids go to bed or anything like this is made me. Yeah, it's done. Like, like, and with my life being so centered around fitness, this is something I'm trying to learn better. I just want to leave it. Like I have to leave it. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm either I'm working out or I'm facilitating working out. I get caught up in like listening to podcasts or listening to books or reading about fitness um, constantly that it's a practice. I'm not great at it, but it's really taken me now two children to really be more present at home. And um, so the busier I got at work, the more I realized I really had to 
you know, dial mm. in on that time. So yes, I'm busier than ever. But like when we go to these events, my family comes with me. Luckily, they like being outdoors. My wife is a is a hybrid athlete as well. So she understands. But it's a lot more communication, um, a lot more coffee. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just trying to trying to compartmentalize much better about my time. And so I had to buy like a journal um, and like color coat my week to really signify like when can I work out, um, when do I have sessions, and then when do I dedicate to family time. So I hope that answers the question, but that's really what it have looks you, like for me right now. So have you then basically got, because obviously there's there's only so many people you can see in a week like you know with your time schedule have you basically got it really clear and dedicated that okay i will only work between these hours or work and work out between these hours and like this is your protected time like if someone asks you hey can you pt me at 7 30 p.m you're basically going to be like nah mate like i that's my family time i can't do that or how does that kind of work for you is there like a real distinct hard stop at a certain time of the day and it only starts at a certain time of the day like and you know if it's not within that window it's not done like how does that sort of work for you yeah it's a great question it depends on the day so i am somewhat fluid like um you know for me i don't get paid unless i'm working so i have to like mm -hmm. be mindful of that too right and um like my wife has a small online personal training business but like i'm i'm the breadwinner so like i'm mm -hmm. mindful that like I, I i when i'm working i'm productive so yeah. like Mondays are my short Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays are my shorter days. Tuesdays and Thursdays were like I had to collaborate with my wife. And as we were going through the transition of me getting busier, it was like, OK, these are just going to I'm just going to stack my days long on these days. So I won't do anything past seven any day. But like yeah. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, I won't do anything past three. So you have to be in my schedule at oh, two or, yeah. or we can't do it. Um <clears throat> Saturdays, I do sessions on Saturdays just because it's convenient, but I only do like a four hour day. So I won't do anything past yeah. noon on that day. And then Sundays, I might reserve it for like a makeup because I have like mm. clients that travel and whatever. So I will reserve it for like somebody that's I might not see in a week or something. Um, but I don't I try to keep Sundays off if I can. Um, but with this transition, I do think that even though I come in for shorter amounts of time on those days, when I'm home, I'm much more like home, home. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, bouncing back. <clears throat> yes, I have like hard cutoff times on different days. Uh, I say hard. They're not like solid, solid, but um, they're pretty, pretty set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's kind of, I guess, the challenge, as you say, when you know that you like if you take on someone else or you have another session like that's income right and if you don't take that on like you know it's not like a nine to five where you're in the office in those hours and then you know i mean pe people still do work outside of those hours obviously you know but mm -hmm. what you're saying is you know <clears throat> when you're inside your working time you're fully working and when you're outside your working time it's right okay i'm fully family now i'm fully home now and that you know i have to be fully present and i guess that's that's the challenge, right, is being able to actually switch off. Um, and it's quite interesting. You said it took you till two children to be able to figure that out. What What did you mean by that? Oh, phenomenal question. Okay, so literally I've spent, we talked about this a lot in our last, last podcast, mm -hmm. like I've just been around fitness since I was five. Like I got 
I didn't know you could go to school for exercise science because I came from a very small town. Um, so I went to school for biology mm-hmm. because I wanted to learn more about um, physiology specifically. Yeah. Um, and like I've spent, even to this day, like I'm spending every waking moment thinking or consuming information on really all exercise science now, whether that's endurance training or, you know, um, or uh, like strength and hypertrophy. And like, before I met my wife, I mean, like my whole life was just centered around training so that I I, Mm. I made minimum wage and I just worked and lifted in a garage and I um, worked so that I could lift all the time. And that Mm. really didn't change I don't want to sound like I don't want to sound like I was like neglecting my children. I want to be clear on that. It was just like I had to learn how to shut it off. Like I really had yeah. to like and it took me so I went through a job transition in my current job where I was in a management role and things had changed and I had to decide whether I took a management path or going back to just training path. Mm-hmm. And when I did that the just training path was going to require many more hours. So I put my like brain in like, what would somebody who either ran their own business or worked in um, like, what, what advice would I give to try and help somebody like still be a family person, still work their job because I have tons of people that I could ask advice to. Some of my clients are really great friends and they experience this every day. And, um, and what was happening is like I would get home and I would just want to go back to like listening or um, reading about fitness. And I know it just sounds so obsessive and ridiculous, but like that's almost like a stress relief. It was my default for so many years. And it's just like not good. I mean, I love my kids. I want to spend time with them. And um, I would just ask myself, like, is this really is this how I want to spend my time is like if, if something were to happen to me today, do I want my kids to be re- like reminded um, like, oh, dad was just listening to, you know, fitness stuff or just reading these, um, these books on fitness all the time. Like he didn't spend much time with us. And I was just like, that just crushed me, like thinking about that. And, um, so it wasn't necessarily having to, I think when my wife needed help with our first, because she was going through the transition of second and all the mm-hmm. planning and delegating, which I mean, you understand with now that you have to be there for your oldest because your wife has to be there for your youngest. And mm-hmm. the transitions just require you being much more helpful. Not that you aren't before, but because you have to be involved to help your wife and now this new um, new child, you have to pick up some of the slack that you could leave before when there was just one, right? Because yeah. before yeah. there's two of you, one child. Now you're even. And my wife and I do plan on having more children. And so we're going to be outnumbered. So I better have my skills together to be a pretty good dad if we're going to have more children. And so that's really what had set in was just like, I knew what was happening. Like I knew I was just having this obsessive focus and I didn't want everything in my personal life to like wither away because of just some like, like dream that I had, like I would be a professional athlete one day, which is just not the case. Like I, it, and, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the subtle art of not giving a fuck, but like, yeah. like you have to ask like, what's truly important, like really what's important. And, um, 
you know, I had read it so many times, but like in a, each time I've read it, it puts me in a new light. And like my family, you know, isn't going to remember me by my athletic feats and they're not really going to remember me by my career. So what's going to be important to me. And mm-hmm. so having, having just that frame a lot. Um, and one last thing on that, uh, this is probably morbid. I don't know how terrible <laughs> um, it gets, but it, I, it's never really sat well with me when people think, what if it was my last day? Like, how would you treat your life? I thought like um, my wife had a pretty terrible um, like delivery of our second child. And we almost lost my youngest daughter and my wife in the same moment. So that Jeez. helped me yeah. see like w- what, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough, but it helped me think, what if it was their last day? Like, how would I want to experience the rest of my life if yeah. the time I spent with them gone was just a reflection of like, just constantly consuming other information. So um, I know that sounds like really cheesy, but that's really what was happening was just like, yeah, I, I, I saw what the consequences could be if I were to lose my wife and my children. So for me, that's really put um, a better light on how do I want their memory for myself? I know that sounds selfish, but like, I don't want that to be the thing. I would regret that if that was my last interaction with them. And that's really helped me quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. As you say, it is a bit of a morbid way to look at it, but it's the reality, right? Nothing is sort of given in life either way with you or them, you know? Like, and so um, while it does seem really like, you know, sad way to look at it, it kind of does help to keep things in perspective um, because, you know, it is. We, we have nothing given, right? You know, you never know. And you hear stories of people, you know, that have that happen to them. And you're kind of like, well, this isn't just a thing that happens to some, you know, it happens to a person. Um, someone once said, you know, that 1%, you know, like you look at statistics and there's there's a 1% chance of something. And they were like, that person is still a person. Um, mm. And someone is still experiencing that. And so it's like, you know, you you want to be, you want to hope it never happens, but you want to be, happy with what you've done if it does happen right don't know if that's the right way of putting it <laughs> yeah and so when i was young um when i was a, a junior in high school to junior year of college i lost 11 people close to me so my first Jesus. best friend uh he died in a car accident my wrestling coach had been hit by a car lost both of my grandmothers like i lost 11 people yeah. close and so so, um, like I said, I know, I'm sorry to get morbid, but it's, it's a reality I saw at a very young age that I don't yeah. think a lot of people in our Western society get to experience all that often. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but mm. I put myself in that, that mindset again of like, what if I could have one more conversation with that person? And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think we often, like I said, we think of ourselves in the, like, what were, what would happen to me if I didn't, if I died today, you know? how would I want to live my day? I, I think that can be useful for some people, but that's never really worked for me. Mm-hmm. If it was like my wife's last day or my daughter's last day, which could be yeah. a, a reality. You know, we weren't expecting any of those 11 to pass away. They were, they were either freak accidents or something we just didn't expect. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I just put that in perspective again of like it, it, it is that fragile and I don't want to take for granted. Like, I absolutely love fitness, but it doesn't do anything for me the way my family would. Like if I broke my leg and I couldn't Olympic lift, yeah, that would crush me, but it would not be 
anything compared to like really what my family, my family does. Like if I were to lose one of them. And so I can only be present with them and truly give everything I've got the best I can. And I'm not perfect at it. I'm still learning, but mm-hmm. I think having being refreshed uh, in this is a terrible way, but having gone through that experience with my wife again, during that deliver delivery and hearing the doctor say like, if we don't get this baby out, we're going to lose both of them in a minute. Like that just put it in perspective again. So like I said, I, I think it's just a culmination of getting through a second child and realizing how fragile it can be again. It's just put things in perspective and um, yeah. I'm I'm very glad that we had this conversation after the birth of my <clears throat> second child. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I was talking to someone. Um, I don't think it was on the podcast. I was talking to someone before um, we had the arrival of Toby, and I just always have this. Well, not always. I you know we've only had two births, so obviously going into birth, mm-hmm. it's only happened twice. But I have this like really weird fear like there's no founding for it like I haven't had anyone close to me ever have someone die in childbirth but there's always this fear in my mind I'm like Mm -hmm. I could lose my wife and my unborn child like this experience of birth is like it's probably the most risky experience that a female goes through right Mm -hmm. um you know during their life in terms of one-off incident that probably has the highest risk um of mortality it's like it literally is that moment and so you know for the weeks leading up to it or just a couple of weeks before like i always get that like real back of my mind like freak out like what if something happened like and i mean it it's unlikely but it still freaks me out a little bit and so you know like just that there's that risk and so it kind of like i'm like man imagine like you know being a father of two a newborn and not having a wife like because for some people that would be a reality reality. they have faced Mm -hmm. right um and yeah i don't know i just had that sort of thought in the back of my mind and so when you say that, I'm like, geez, I'm glad he didn't tell me that before because that would have made my, you know, little fear that yeah, I have in the back of my mind. It's just, it's just an underlying little thing, you know? Like, it's not something that I'm yeah. obviously sitting there panicking and sweating about during the day, but it's just that underlying thought that I'm like, this is a dangerous thing and this is a risky thing <laughs> yeah. and this is, like, you know, the reality um, yeah. is that it is it is a little bit scary. And I guess that's, you know, I know that's just me catastrophizing a little bit to an extent as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is one of those things. So you say that, I'm like, geez. Mate, so thank you for not um, coming on the podcast oh. prior to the birth of the second child because you might have yeah. heightened my underlying fear. <laughs> we wouldn't have had that talk if uh, I'm very aware that I don't tell people anything about that story <laughs> until baby comes, everything's healthy. You know, I make sure, like, yeah. I, I'm very mindful of that because I just think that would be insensitive. So now that you're on the <laughs> other side, I, I'm happy to divulge that information. But yeah, no, I, I trust me, I've thought of that. I never want somebody, I always go in uh, like, because I talk a lot of people to a lot of women who are pregnant at the gym I work with work at and I always just say you're going to be fine it's all going to be great like I they don't need to know that story until way later so yeah I feel you it's normal like I mean all all odds are that they will be fine Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day it's healthy in the western world yeah so yeah anyway mate um how about these ultras I know we haven't actually even got to talk about them yet and and this is the thing though I think we always have a pretty good yarn um when you come on but I just thought hey let's let's have a chat let's switch over to that a little bit we've just talked about how you don't um you know you know you switch off from fitness and those sorts of things and now we're going to talk about your running for hours on end um but how how did that kind of go let's go let's go back to Leadville just prior to that and then going into that experience um it's obviously a really well known um ultra like you know i'm living in new zealand and i've heard of it obviously from a few um of those 
I guess, popular hybrid athletes that you see on YouTube mm -hmm. and things. Um, but how was that experience? What was the lead up to it like? How did the event sort of go for you? How did you find it? Just give us a bit of a rundown and kind of how that felt from your perspective. Yeah, I guess it's like really no shock. I mean, so many people have seen uh, videos about Leadville. Um, so, you know, I, I work in a gym where there are probably 10 people here that I know who have finished it and mm. some of them multiple times. So it's, it's just like, it's kind of like a perfect storm for me to like try and take it on. Um, so yeah, uh, leading up to it, you know, I got to some weeks, my highest training week, I was almost at 80 miles a week. Um, yeah. still lifting three days a week. I was doing, um, like a minimalist style training. I was still lifting, still doing like heavy leg stuff. Um, I front squatted 315 still before, uh, so I guess, yeah. uh, what's that for you? 143? About 143. 143 yeah. kilos yeah. Um, leading into Leadville, so I still kept a lot of my leg strength going into mm. it. Um, but there were there were some things that, uh, that bit me in the ass leading into the race. So one, um, there are, I really, really, really neglected my climbing um, and descending, which is dumb because it's a mountain ultra. You would assume <laughs> that you would just get really good at it. But I live in Texas. So there's, uh, for those of you that don't know, I mean, there's really not much around me. I mean, it's like the highest elevation is probably like 600 feet around me, you know? Mm. Um, and so on a run, any, any given time, I might be adding a thousand feet yeah. over a long run. Um, versus Leadville, it's a total of 14,000 or 18,000, I think, gain yeah, and loss yeah. over the whole thing. And the hard part, so Hope Pass, which is like the scary, like the, the biggest climb, that's where I, I missed the cutoff by 30 minutes. Um, so I was, I was pretty close, but I mean, it's 3,000 feet of elevation change in three miles. Like you're just trudging along. Jeez. And so, um, so what I learned is, I really need to get better at being a good hiker because you're just um, going to go jump on the stair climber then if you don't have any hill options around you, like what's the it's super, <laughs> it's super interesting. I will. So the treadmills here at work, we can get up to 25%. So I'll go to a 20% oh, wow. okay. incline. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's how steep uh, hope passes. It's 20%. So it's, it's pretty steep. So I just had a conversation. I had a, I did a, consult with Alec Blennis. I don't know if you follow him on yeah. uh, Instagram, but uh, he and I talked yesterday and I, I picked his brain on that, on how to prepare better. Cause I'm so new to um, the endurance side of things. And, mm. you know, Stairmaster, this is just a question. I don't know. I'm sure there's good <laughs> research out there, but Stairmaster seems like a different stimulus than hiking because on a Stairmaster, yeah. you basically push up and then you laterally move versus hiking. You are you know, you are shifted the entire way. So you have to use your hip flexors and glutes mm -hmm. much more when you're hiking because you're in a different position than a Stairmaster. You could literally just lift your knee and then push forward. So it's, it's a different shift. Um, and so he and I were just chatting about that. And I, I think I'll experiment with both because the people who do well around here that have completed Leadville, they do a mixture of hiking and Stairmaster. So yes, my long runs as I get closer to August, will literally be like two to three hours on an incline treadmill oh, or a Stairmaster. That sounds and yeah, disgusting. the treadmill, 
awful. I hate the treadmill. I would literally rather <laughs> buy a plane ticket and go hike a mountain than to just spend <laughs> that time. But you know, that's expensive and you know that. Yeah. So, so yes, a lot of my training will be centered around getting better at hiking. Um, right now I'm doing a lot of speed work and then I'm swimming a lot too, mm-hmm. getting ready for that. I've never been a swimmer, so this is brand new to me. I could not, I was able to not drown before, but now swimming 1.2 miles or, um, 2,100 meters is a whole different ball game. So, yeah. so, so yeah, going back, Leadville was, um, Leadville was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like it, it just, it just, you're over 9,600, uh, feet elevation the entire time. I mean, it's, it's also the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Like I've never seen sites like that. I know you're in New Zealand, so everything is like pretty there, or at least that's what <laughs> Lord of the Rings makes you think. Um, but it's, it's pretty, pretty intense. Like it is so hard. Um, and I know the, the shows try to, or like the YouTube videos try to show how hard it is, but, um, I mean, I'm excited to go back. Uh, it's just, it is seriously the hardest thing I've ever attempted in my life. Uh, what, so, what was the what was the atmosphere yeah. like? How many people were doing the event? Um, <clears throat> like, what time of day did it start? Because all of that stuff, like, I I have no idea. I mean, well, I probably do if I watch some of those YouTube videos back. But like, how does it kind of like how was that experience? Yeah. Like, all the all these people coming together to do this crazy thing. Like, how many of you were there? <laughs> what was it like? Yeah. So I've done other ultra marathons. So there is like some stark contrast to that. So one it's, there's 800 runners, which is just an insane amount. You know, that's it's high. It's not like a marathon or something where you get a a ton of people. It's all, all the people are there for that one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Leadville is such a crew heavy, like you rely on your crew quite a bit in Leadville. So it's an out and back. So you go 50 miles out, 50 miles back. Your crew can meet with you at different aid stations versus some other ultras like the one I did a couple of weeks ago. It's a loop race. So you're like your crew stays in one spot uh, and then yeah. you have other aid stations out there where you will never see your crew. Um, so that's one thing. So the energy is always high because when you hit these aid stations, there's hundreds. <laughs> I mean, probably like thousands of people who are there to crew the runners. Like, it's just a party, like every time you come into an aid station. But with that, um, most of the other ultra marathons I've done, um, each aid station is like five or six miles apart. Leadville, Mm. it's like the shortest is like 12 miles or maybe eight (laughs) miles. So you have to carry so much stuff with you. I mean, like you have to have your food and your gear to get to, um, the next aid station with no help. And so you're, you start at 4am. So it's a really early start time. Mm. You have 30 hours to complete. And then there's hard cutoffs each time or each, um, aid station. So like the energy is just so high, but I mean, like there's so many runners out there, but you get spread, spread out. So there might, there were times where I was by myself for maybe hour, two hours. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. Yeah. 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 And you're just in the mountains. And uh, yes, Hope Pass. This is one other thing. If you have any listeners who are wanting to do the race, Hope Pass is the thing that's talked about the most. And it's absolutely brutal. But there's two other big climbs before that that I just neglected. I was like, and, and when I got there, I was like, these are just as hard. You're just not going <laughs> as high. And uh, <laughs> like, I remember thinking that, like, who the hell let me sign up for this race? Like, I am not prepared for this. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, now that I know, and I've been there and I made it 
to the top of Hope Pass. So I got to the top of Hope Pass. So now I've seen, um, I've seen, not experienced. I, I don't want to take away from all of the things that the people who have completed it. But now I know a little bit better of like how important the hiking is versus just running, getting there. Yeah. So I might do less mileage, um, but I'll certainly do more time hiking. Um, and one thing I found useful and a lot of ultramarathon coaches do this rather than prescribing mileage or distance goals, I will do time-based training. Yeah. Um, just simply, just simply because you can't compare, like, of course, if I'm going on an incline treadmill, I'm not going to go a, you know, horizontal distance nearly as far as if I were just running alone. So, but I'll still get a similar training effect because of time. Do you have any plans to do like a lead up event that might be sort of, I guess, equally as hilly um, or, you know, that anything sort of like that planned that you might do in the build up just to kind of get that off road trail experience? I, tr I run on trails here. I won't, I probably, my wife and I were talking about that. I probably won't do another race just simply due to cost. Taking yeah. time off work is a big one. Um, I would, if we weren't having such a busy year, we've got uh, like, we've got two big weddings we have to go to. So we've got to, I've got to take off time for that. I take time off work for those two events. Uh, I'm doing this swim now. Um, so we've got a lot of travel that is outside of work and, um, these events that I'm going to have to take time off. So I'm just gonna, just gonna wing it. There's nothing planned. I might do, um, something if it's close by and like on a Sunday and I can fit it in, yeah. but right now I'm not going to take on another event, <clears throat> uh, use the, the treadmill and all of its horrible <laughs> glory. Oh man. I, I go on there sometimes on the treadmill because Palmerston North is quite a windy place. Um, mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we'll get, you know, rain and wind. And I'm just like, ah, either I have to go out in there and like resent <laughs> it, or I can go on the treadmill for a little bit. And like, you know, I'm not a fan of the treadmill, but sometimes when the wind's up and the rain's coming and it's cold, I'm just like, meh, at least then I'm going to get something done rather than just, you know, something. stay inside. And hey, call me soft, call me whatever you like. I'm still getting my aerobic stimulus, man. So I don't really care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I found yeah. that the, the mental side of it, just it makes you tougher to be on the treadmill because it just feels so much longer. Like, I don't understand. I did an hour 100%. run yesterday with intervals and that felt shorter than uh, doing running intervals like half the time. I mean, it, it just blows me away. Like, I hate the treadmill. I use it. It's a useful tool, obviously. But man, I just... I was running in, I don't know what, I don't know the conversion to Celsius, but I was running in 115 degree weather over the summer. And I would much rather that than run on the treadmill indoors. Like I was literally outside every day and I was like, I will be heat acclimated before I spend hours on this treadmill <laughs> going into Leadville this time. I'm just going to say, this is going to make me mentally tougher. Oh, uh, one thing to add, there was one point. So you go, the second peak that you have to climb is like the side of Mount Elbert, which mm -hmm. is Mount Elbert is the highest peak in America. Um, like it's over 14,000. So you go over the side of it. So I think that's only like, I think you only do like 10,000 feet at that point, but you're climbing quite a bit. And there was a point where I don't, if you've been a strength athlete only your whole life, you've never experienced this. You, li I literally didn't feel like a person anymore. My legs weren't burning. I wasn't taxed aerobically. Like something, I was just so fatigued in a way that I've never been before that like i just literally was trudging along like just experiencing the 
most horrible, hollow feeling I've ever, ever had. Like it was, it was incredible. And what's so amazing about it, like I don't want to just sound like a masochist, is that I drank some goo roctane and it all just flooded back and I was able to run again. <laughs> but it was just like going from like literally climbing this mountain, not feeling like I literally asked one of my crew members, I was like, where do you think your soul goes out there? Because you just literally feel <laughs> hollow and you're just watching, like having an out of, body, out of body experience, just continuing to move, getting to the next aid station. And then like that, you catch another wind and you can run again. And it just, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's what makes ultra marathons so addicting is you literally just want to see how far your body can like beat itself up and then still continue. Um, and I'm not, I'm not dogging strength athletes. I'm still lifting and I will compete um, in strength sports again, but it's just wildly different. You know, mm -hmm. I would, I, I just, I, you can't replicate that in um, a class or a training session that only lasts two hours. You know, I had experienced that at probably hour eight of an event, you know, you're just going for so long. And, uh, you know, I've gone 20, one hours in an event and you just experience these highs and lows that are just you can't replicate them so yeah yeah so did your kids come with you because you both went no my mother-in-law and father-in-law watched them while we were both there while my wife and i were there yeah yeah and because you're, you're both still you know training for these things did your wife finish no so she missed um she missed the same cutoff I did. Um, yeah. She was uh, probably 30 minutes behind me, yeah. even. And uh, there was a really cool video that I shared, and it's on Leadville's page where um, you can actually see my wife coming down to come into, like, one of the most famous uh, uh, aid stations, Twin Lakes, before you go up Hope Pass. And she sprints across the finish line or the, the check-in line um, right at the time. So they like, they, yeah. it was, uh, whatever the time is she sprints in and like, man, I still get goosebumps even just thinking about it. Well, Leadville shared it. And there's like a history of Leadville book that they update every year with all the finishers in it. And her name's actually in there, which is super cool about that. Yeah. She didn't finish, but they added her, like they said, she had the true Leadville spirit because she sprinted across that <laughs> checkpoint, um, yeah. which I think is awesome. So that is cool. super cool. Yeah. And so you're both going to go for it again next year? Is that the plan? We're both going for it again. We will yeah. bring the kids this time. Yeah. Um, we regretted it. That was our biggest regret last year is that the week leading up, you're not doing much and it's basically <laughs> like a vacation and, um, and they love being outdoors. You know, my yeah. kids absolutely love it. And in Colorado, there's just so much to do outdoors. It's summertime. Um, so you know, that's what we'll do. We'll probably have them sleep in a different room the night before, but you don't sleep anyway. I mean, it's 4 a.m. You got to wake up. We woke up at 2 a.m. the night before, actually 1.30, trying to make sure we could eat beforehand, get our coffee in, bowel movements. You know how it is being a runner. Um, mm. So so it's not like you're sleeping well leading up to the event anyway. Um, so we'll bring them this year. Like, that's the plan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Like, yeah, it's just such a different experience to me. You know, I've done that one marathon um, and it was not Hope Pass. Um, there was no running up crazy amounts. I mean, it was undulating. It was, I was un unprepared for that. I think I might've mentioned that last time, mm -hmm. that sort of a, a K or two and we were going up a hill and I said to the guys next to me who are doing it with me, I'm like, I thought this was a, I thought the race said flat out. And the guy goes, yeah, nah, um, 
another guy that was running, he'd done it before. He said, no, nah, it's flat out beautiful. Like he's like, there's heaps of falls. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. That's good to know with 40 Ks to go. Like awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, you went through a similar experience during your first marathon. Like you were just absolutely exhausted, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. My, I experienced cramp. Like I've never experienced cramp mm-hmm. before. Like mm-hmm. my quad basically disappeared. And I remember the, um, the person with the, you know, like, support crew that was sort of biking around the track like she basically looked at me like i had an alien in my leg because you know the, mu- <laughs> the muscle had kind of disappeared and oh I know, wow i think someone you know people gave me salt tablets i tried everything and it was just kind of i wasn't prepared for the hills that's pretty much what it comes yeah. down to i think is the downhill pieces yeah. basically you know that eccentric loading over and over again early on and then 30ks later or whatever you're like well my leg's weren't prepared you know and if you're not prepared yeah. for something that's when it gets you right um yep. i mean you can never be fully prepared for one of those things right when you're doing any sort yep. of event like that there's going to come a point where you're challenged and where your body is like i you know you don't know if it can get through whatever it's trying to do whether that be a pace whether that be the distance whether it be whatever like there'll come a time point during one of those events where you don't know if you're going to make it to the end <laughs> um, exactly. and your body may, may break apart or you may slow down or whatever it is, but, but something will be challenged and you won't necessarily know how you're going to respond to that. And I think that's what you're talking about earlier, right? Is that whole, that's the part you like, you can't replicate that, you know, like um, <clears throat> you jump into one of those events and like, even, even with like a half marathon, when you're going for a specific time, you can do all the training runs, do all the things that, you know, check the box that says, yes, I can do this pace. But until you're like in that situation, you kind of don't know how you or your mind will respond to that because, and and I guess that's the challenge of riding with that one, four, five, half that I had as a goal for, you know, that sort of was about 12, 12 months or 18 months, whatever it was. And I finally got it. Like, I had so many times in those training blocks and especially the second to last attempt at it, I was like, dead set certain that I was going to hit it. And I remember telling one of my friends, I think his best time was like a 146 or something. I'm like, nah, mate, like, I've got you this time. Like, it's absolutely fine. And then with two Ks to go when the 145 paces ran past me, I'm like, I never care anymore. Like, this is this is crap, blush. <laughs> and it's like, man, like, you were so confident, but you have to execute, right? And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is you can be, you can do all the prep, you can feel confident, but you still don't know quite what will happen on the day. You don't know whether you'll respond well. You don't know whether there'll be something that'll trip you up, whether you'll go out too hot, whether you won't get something quite right with the plan. Like, And that's kind of the beauty of it, I think. And that that would apply, though, equally to a strength sport, you know, because it's about the outcome. Um, but I think, yeah, there is something quite unique, and especially probably in your instance where, like, as you said, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. And I think the... The ultras have that and probably that isolation and part of that is would contribute as well. You know, like you mentioned having to run on your own for sometimes an hour or more. You don't get that normally on a road race, you know, like mm. unless it's a very small road race with a very long distance, you don't get, you know, you don't get that same experience. There's always people around you. There's always someone to sort of hunt down as the bunny rabbit or, you know, to not let pass you, whatever it is, there's always something. But when you're out there on your own, you're trudging up these hills, it must be quite a different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I, it really is. And what I love about mountain ultras specifically, um, I mean, no race is the same. And mm. uh, like, you you can't just say, oh, I can do that. You have to like go do it, you know? 100%. Like lifting, lifting, you could hit a gym lift, 
And one thing, like, even when I was in there, I was like, no lift counts unless I do it on the training platform. Like, not that I would not trying to be like masochistic, but we're in a sport to compete against other people. Like you have to do it that day on the platform for it to count. Yeah. In the competition, right. You don't get a fourth attempt, right. You have to go do it then. And I, you know, even I work around so many trainers who are not in, you know, the competitive spaces that we are. And one of them was like, I've squatted 500 pounds. And then I was like, so you in high school squatted 500 pounds. He was like, well, I did 485, four, three. And because my, my coach calculated out that that could have been 500, I'm saying I squatted 500 and, you know, that's just never sat well with me. And it's really amplified with the ultra marathons. Like until you cross that finish line, you have no idea. The uncertainty is actually what excites me so much. Like, yeah, I'm terrified leading up to Leadville. I mean, I'm going to do a hundred miles like in the Colorado Rockies, there's, you know, animals around me. I have to go at night. Like, climbing all this distance, being at elevation. But that's the exciting piece too, is like, I get, I get to go find out what I'm capable of doing. And I think that's going to be a much better mindset for me to be into when I finally do go back to strength uh, competitions is like, rather than saying like, there's a formula, right? Like on, on the given day, I'm going to be able to do X if I did Y beforehand. Now I'm going to go in with a much more excited feel of like, man, I'm excited to go see what I can do on game day. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe I surprise myself or maybe it's not so great. I can just go enjoy the experience. Um, But until it's done, there's no point in getting overly worked up because on that day, so many conditions can change. Uh, I mean, even when you're the food you eat. Um, Mm -hmm. Or the concentration of salt. That's another thing I'm, I'm learning is like how much, sodium can affect me um because i'm a pretty salty sweater um so many things can go into play and i think that's really given me a better perspective on all of my fitness of like just show up for the day right and then and then worry about um all of those minor details because you never know until that day and that's the exciting piece for me that's cool, man. I, I'm going to have to stop us. I know that um, you have more time, but this morning I have to go get ready for work and probably iron a okay. shirt. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. I'm going to have to rein it in. Um, and I know that we've yeah. done the final three before. So I thought I would just, you know, throw it over to you in terms of, is there any sort of, I guess in the last, it must've been probably nine months almost since we spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any sort of new words of advice or oh, before I do that I'll have to say it was you that recommended Brandon Sanderson to me wasn't it yes sir yeah thank you for that I've been enjoying <laughs> some welcome. of those and I've jumped into um some other fiction since then which I hadn't done until you recommended that pretty much I'd been non-fiction awesome. dude all the way was not going to sorry yeah non-fiction dude all the way through you know reading just stuff you know that was real or whatever it was you know and I had that mm. kind of feeling that that's what I needed to read because I wanted to, you know, learn things. And I'm like, oh, actually, no, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try this fiction stuff. And it's been good, man. I've been enjoying it. And in terms of what you mm-hmm. mentioned about <clears throat> being overly consumed by fitness content or, you know, how to get people better and all of those sorts of things related to that health and fitness stuff um, and science and all that. It's like, well, this has actually been really nice to kind of have that ability to switch off before I go to bed. And like, you know, I would say to other people who have told me that, like, I can switch off while I'm reading this stuff. But yeah, it is different, right? Um, and I think you still learn lots. That's the part that I kind of, I guess, didn't expect. Um, 
from reading fiction is the things that you still feel like you learn and the stuff that you mm-hmm. yeah because i mean they're stories still right the stories you can still mm-hmm. learn from stories and you know exactly. yes they might not be true but oftentimes they're based on people's experience and kind of re-manifested into this thing so yeah just want to say thanks for, for pointing me in the direction of some good fiction that's been appreciated yeah. and i have read um an entire series and tried to read another one i think as i mentioned to you but it was a little bit too mm-hmm. um teen focused i think in terms of the audience yeah so i'm going to yeah. grab one of those other ones at some stage but at the moment i'm reading one can't remember who it was that recommended it. Might have been Alan Thrall. Not sure. Um, there was one that was the Parable of the Sower, and I'm onto the second one of that now with the Parable of the Talents. Um, I think it's from. The I haven't Mondays. read that one, so I'll have it's, to it's, try it. Yeah, it's quite cool. It's kind of like an end of times type thing. It's funny though because it's based like mid to late 2020s, and kind of the world just sort of descended into like chaos basically and it's based in the states and kind of lawlessness is rampant. People can't get jobs. Corporations are. It's yeah. It's all the stuff that you kind of read like could potentially happen <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's interesting you know, okay that's that all of these sorts of things so i'll i'll, I'll yeah. forward you through the details of that one but i thought yeah it's been pretty good um so anyway that's way off track i was asking you um yeah. yeah was there any sort of new thoughts or insights that you feel like you've had in the last nine months around tips for new parents the other thing was obviously the book side of that um and what was i can't even remember my third question right now off the top of my head Advice for new dads, <laughs> book or podcast recommendations. I can't remember my second question. How bad's that? I knew I didn't okay. have to prepare for, to for this one, but. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, so advice, it'll come to you while I give that. So I don't, I know you got to go iron your shirt. Um, so, so one, the advice, uh, it, I, I, I would say, um, I would say it's really been helpful to be more of a generalist and try to find influences in different parts of my life. That, that has really been good for, um, for me in terms of fitness. We'll say that. So like Mm -hmm. learning as much as I can about ultra marathoning has actually helped me be a better coach. Um, and also lifter, obviously it it's separate, but that has helped me a ton, right? It's just learning different things or, um, I would say, you know, I really enjoy cooking. So just learning to frame things in a different light has just been super useful, right? Getting different perspectives, seeing seeing how other people do it and not have my own judgments or perceptions. That's what Leadville did. It just kicked me in the teeth and it taught me, like, you don't know as much as you think you do. So just take a back seat. And then with um, parenting, there's not always going to be times that I'm, I'm super excited um, in the sense of like, I'm not going to just get home and like instantly be able to be like, oh, super, super excited to be with my children. So rather than thinking I'm going to have to be excited, I just first act excited and then the rest comes, right? Like it's mm-hmm. like the warm up for my, for my life, right? So, and that's been insanely useful recently is just, I'm going to just start as soon as I get home, I'm going to act excited because I know later it'll come. And yeah. that would be one thing that's really been been a useful skill is just first stopping and asking, how do I want to act around my family? Be that thing. And then all of the other feelings and emotions will come because it's not always easy just to turn it off or turn it on on a, on a dime. So asking myself, how do I want to act? And then just following through on that. Let the emotions and stuff come later. You basically reminded me of the second question as well, then. 
because the second question was about habits and there it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's really what I've been doing. So that's the new habit I'm, I'm adding to my life. And so before we go, then I might as well ask, is there any um, book recommendation? Because last time it worked out quite well for me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there um, anything new that you've been reading or anything that would yeah. kind of potentially be of interest or you think might be of interest? Super exciting. This is actually nonfiction, so you'll be excited. <laughs> um, I'm rereading Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers by Robert Sapolsky. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, yeah, I'm just... I once I started that book of... on holidays, and I yeah. think I was reading about three different things, and it fell off, but I still have the Kindle version somewhere. Oh, so good. So yeah, um, so many of my clients are, like I said, working professionals, and um you know, having, trying to work with them on their eating habits and stuff. Uh, most of them have fat patternings like metabolic syndrome. So you mm. know, apples, not pears. So I went to the book again. I was just like, oh, I remember I had read that when I was just working with youth athletes and kids don't experience stress the same way adults do. And so I was like, oh, I'll refresh my memory on this. And literally I did that on Monday night. Cause I was like, so many of my clients are going through stress. Let me just reread it again. Oh my God. I spent two hours reading it. Fortunately, my mother-in-law <laughs> is here. So she was watching the, the kids and they were playing with her, but man, I was just so engrossed in that again with a new perspective. Um, cause one, he writes extremely well, but looking at it at the perspective, like how much stress is affecting my clients. And then on me, <laughs> because I'm on all day long with in-person sessions, Oh man, it was just a whole new perspective. So it's just good to see how impactful stress can be if you don't know how to cope with it. So I would say that's my now recommendation is a nonfiction is uh, is why zebras don't get ulcers. Awesome, man. I think that's uh, also a lesson in there about don't be afraid to reread books. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes you read something a second time and you're in a different place in your journey. And so therefore you're going to see some different stuff that you didn't see the first time. So I think that's kind of yeah. a, a good take home from that as well, man. But thanks so much for coming cool. on. I appreciate you sharing your experiences with these ultras. And um, I'll be watching this swim as it comes up uh, through <laughs> via Instagram. I'll be keeping an eye on what you're up to. Um, and then obviously watching that sort of long build up um, to Leadville as well for for that second go at it. Because I know that, you know, you're going to be keen to try and knock that off. Um, and fingers crossed you can get you can get through it this time. Um, I know that regardless of whether you finish it or not, though, I'm sure you as you as we've discussed today, you know, there's a whole heap of learnings. There's a whole heap of discoveries about yourself um, and kind of what you're what you're capable of and how you respond. So I think regardless of any outcomes in those events that you've been doing, man, you've you've you know, you, you've made me inspired anyway, but just seeing what you've gone through and how you've kind of built up to that, because it's still I look at those things, mate, and I'm like, these guys are mad. <laughs> But anyway, mate, thanks heaps for coming on. I do appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Thanks, Aiden. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. If you found anything within this episode valuable, please be sure to share it with someone else who you think might benefit from its content. Don't forget to give the podcast a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to follow along with what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at hjp underscore stronger dads. If you're interested in any of my coaching services or learning more about me, just head to hjpmethod.co.nz. That's hjpmethod.co.nz. Right, we'll see you on the next one.